When he finishes atoning for the holy place and the tent of the meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. And the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. And this shall be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble your souls and do not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, that you may humble your souls. It is a permanent statute. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with my dad, Ron. Hello. There you are. Um, We are here today to talk about, uh, we are really in the midst of the fall feasts, um, these these God's appointed times that are taken from uh, Leviticus 23. The part I actually just read there was from Leviticus chapter 16, and, and really today we want to talk about Yom Kippur, uh, also known as the Day of Atonement. Uh, all of these feasts that take place in the fall and, and the spring ones, everything is there in Leviticus 23 as the collection of all of them. It's the one place where all of them are, and then you get bits and pieces in the rest of Scripture. Um, but what we want to do is, in our typical custom, we want to bridge Act 1 and Act 2, and this, there really is no better holiday, and there really is no higher holiday holiday than than this one Yom Kippur. Um, And so let's start by unpacking here in Act 1. What is going on? What is the scene here for Leviticus chapter 16? Well, what uh, is taking place is the Jewish people have come to the what they call the highest holy day of the season. Uh, It is the only other day that is actually referred to as a Sabbath it's a high Sabbath, and it is the day when in Israel, at the temple, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, uh, and not without blood, and he would make a sacrifice uh, for his own sins and then for the sins of the nation. Yeah, on behalf of everybody. This would be the community gathering, and they are confessing. And he, actually, even before, though, he goes into the high, the 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 Holy of Holies. He's there, and, and there is something that takes place there. We have two goats. Well, that doesn't take place there. That takes place outside. Right, that's what yeah. I said. I, I, before he goes in there, there's something right. that takes place there afterwards. Right. There are, there are two goats, uh, identical goats. They are the same. And uh, one of those goats will become the sacrifice, and the other goat, uh, the sins will be confessed. The sins of the nation will be confessed on the head of that goat, and it will be taken and led off and uh, led away from the people into the wilderness. That goat is called the Azazel. And the picture is that 
the goat is carrying away the sins of the people uh, as it uh, leaves. And uh, sometimes uh, the man who led the goat away would push it over a cliff and make sure it didn't come back. Right, because you can imagine the, the scene. You're watching your sins being cast. And there's actually a prayer that is, uh, that is recited in synagogues today and actually in, even in Messianic congregations. It's called Al-Chet. And uh, this is just, I won't read the whole thing, but just a, a sense of th- there's a confession of our sins um, during this day, because not only are we confessing our sins, but we are, we are asking for uh, atonement. We are remembering uh, the atonement for our sins. And so it says, for the sin which we have committed before you of our own will, and for the sin which we have committed before you by hardening our hearts, for the sins which we have committed before you unknowingly, and for the sin which we have committed before you openly or secretly, uh, for the sin which we committed before you by wronging a neighbor, and for the sin which we have committed before you by sinful meditation of the heart. Um, it goes through all of these things, and, and how it wraps up, it says, for all of these, and it goes on, you know, for by gossip, by wanton looks, haughty eyes, by effrontery, for all of these, O oh God of forgiveness, forgive us, pardon us and grant us atonement. And it goes on and on and on. But you can imagine this scene, the high priest, his hands are on this goat, this scapegoat, and and now he is confessing the sins of the people. And as they are looking and as they're watching, um, they're probably listening in and they're thinking, that that was my sin. The, the, the high priest is confessing their sin and casting it upon this poor innocent animal. Mm-hmm. And he, he's actually uh, making that offering and confessing his sin as a national con- confession for the people. Uh, this is the only day that the people actually don't bring their confessions themselves on Yom Kippur, but it's a national confession of sin and atonement for sin for the nation. Yeah. So we have this picture, and it's led out. And so, what what takes place during this holiday? So after that, you have you have that goat that is is going out, and then there's the second goat, and the priest is gonna do what now? He's going to uh, kill that goat and offer it as an offering for the people uh, Israel, for the nation Israel. And uh, you know, there there is some tradition that uh, says that. Uh, you know, the high priest was the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies, and he could go in there not without blood and make this offering. And uh, the fear was if the offering was not acceptable, uh, nobody could go in there and get him. So they would tie a rope around his leg just in case so they could pull him out. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want to be the guy that has to go in. Get out the dead priest, and now you're dead, and now we have kind of a stockpile there in the Holy of Holies. Yeah. Um, and then and then what happens really right after there in Leviticus 16, you have uh, Leviticus 17. This is a very popular passage that we use in Jewish apologetics. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. So he is making this atonement on behalf of the people during this holiday. Yeah, and the insinuation is is that uh, life is actually conveyed through the bloodstream. Yeah. So here on this 
Day of Atonement. Um, if you go forward and you look at Leviticus 23, you know, God says to Moses, on exactly the 10th day of this seventh month. So if you remember back to uh, Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, that was on the first day of the seventh month, and now we are 10 days later. And this time period in between is the 10 days of awe, and this is the time where we get here. It's a holy convocation for you. You shall humble your souls, or it might say afflict your souls, and present an offering by fire to the Lord. If there's any person who will not humble himself on this day, he shall be cut off from all of Israel. Yeah, yeah. And that was a uh, that was a significant thing because you couldn't get saved unless you were a Jew. And if you did not file those sacrifices and if you did not confess those sins, uh, you know, death was the penalty. And uh, it is, you know, significant that he says, you shall afflict your soul. What does that mean, though? To well, the rabbis, I think, uh, indicate that uh, the affliction of the soul, they associate it uh, with fasting uh, for that day. And so that's where we get the fact that uh, this, it's not a feast day, it's actually a fast day. Um, and Which is kind of funny because the fasting never goes fast. It's yeah, always, it, all you want is to, I mean, really for the Jewish soul to, that, that is really how you afflict yourself is you don't eat for a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, you know, the seriousness of this day is laid out and portrayed in the scripture. Uh, and it's a day of affliction. And uh, that is what historically, what the Jewish people did on this particular day. Uh, you know, I think, I think this day is prophetic also of a time to come yet. And I don't know if you want to talk about that yet. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, you know, a, a, as we pick up this theme of affliction, it is, it is an important theme because uh, obviously Israel has suffered uh, a great deal of affliction uh, and persecution over the years, uh, going all the way back to their time in Egypt. But uh, the idea is, is that in afflicting your soul, there is also an affliction that is going to take place future in Israel. And I think that that is what Yom Kippur is significant uh, concerning, and that is the affliction that will take place uh, during the tribulation period, and uh, it will end with the return of the Messiah. But before the Messiah returns, there's something that Israel has to do, and that one thing that they have to do is they have to confess their uh, transgression or their offense against the law against the Lord. So we we already have the backdrop that, uh, of this, right? So during this this season, during this holiday, um, this is where we are remembering, we are confessing the sins of a people. But now you're saying prophetically going forward that Israel now has to confess another sin. Yeah, and it's it's there's a specific one. It's a specific one. It's it's given in the Hebrew, and it's in you can see it in Leviticus twenty six forty, in Hosea chapter five and Zechariah twelve ten, where uh, Israel is to confess one specific uh, sin. It is singular. It is a it is a specific offense, a specific transgression. Uh, the Hebrew is avon. Uh, and it appears in a number of places. Uh, 
in the scripture, and that one sin would be the rejection of their Messiah, Yeshua. Okay, so this takes place in a couple of different parts, and, I, and we've we've touched on this before in some other podcasts, but uh, this is, you know, we we if we go back to the wilderness experience, um, that the Jewish people, they are wandering in the wilderness, they get close to the promised land, and they are pulled back, um, they, that, that promise for that generation is held back or rescinded, and that generation dies in the wilderness. Right. They, uh, they don't enter the, the promised land because of unbelief. Unbelief. Now, fast forward, and we get to God in human form. We have incarnate Jesus is now here on the earth, yeah. and he is come, he has come to what? He, he presents himself as the Messiah, and he comes to present the kingdom. And he says, behold, here am I. It wasn't, it's not the promised land, but I am the promised one. Right. And now the Jewish people have a choice. What are they going to do with the promised one? Yeah. Well, the, and there was a promise that the kingdom would be set up. Uh, the Jewish people were looking for that kingdom constantly. Um, you know, the disciples of Jesus were asking him, uh, when this uh, when this kingdom was going to come, uh, when after that last Passover they ascended the Mount of Olives and uh, they said, "What is going to be the sign of your coming and the setting up of this kingdom?" And he gives them this uh, long answer <coughs> as to uh, when uh, this is going to take place and the answer is that it's not going to be for a long time because all the way back in the 12th chapter of the gospel of matthew uh, israel committed the unpardonable sin and that is that they attributed the works of the messiah to beelzebub uh, and so the offer of the kingdom was rescinded from that jewish generation That gets us to this moment where uh, Jesus has finished uh, the the Passover Seder with uh, in the upper room with the disciples, and now he is standing before a crowd. He's with Pilate, and now he's also standing with another person named Barabbas. Yeah, and this this is interesting because as he is standing with Pilate. Pilate didn't find any offense in Yeshua, in Jesus, and he was looking for a way to let him go. And at this point that you just mentioned, that he is standing there with Pilate and with Barabbas, uh, uh, Herod is still trying to, to find a way to set him free because he doesn't find anything worthy of death that has been done by him. Uh, you can check Luke chapter 23 and verse 15, which indicates that um, and so he wanted to let him loose. Uh, and interestingly, Barabbas was actually guilty of the crime that Yeshua was accused of. And that's in Luke chapter 23 and verse 19 as well. Uh, Barabbas was guilty. Mark tells us specifically um, that he was guilty of insurrection and probably committed murder. Yeah. And so... This is very interesting. The two of them are standing there, one on either side of Pilate, 
And there's something that is even more interesting about that. It's kind of ironical. Okay, but I, wait, wait. I know where you're <clears> going <throat> with this, but I want to, <laughs> I want to just stop for one second. We have this picture uh, of. If, if we had the shadow that was taking place before in Leviticus, you have the high priest, and the high priest is standing there with two goats. Identical goats. Identical goats. And now we fast forward to this picture, and it's not the high priest, but now it's Pilate, and it's not two goats, but it's two men. Right. And it, it is Jesus, and it is Barabbas. And uh, the ironical thing about it uh, was that... You never think of this, but we have uh, two men standing there that have a certain character of uh, identicalness uh, with them because Barabbas uh, was not a proper name. It was a Greek transliteration of the Aramaic words Bar, which means son of, and Abba, which was his father's name, making him the son of Abba. The son of the father. Yeah, the, and the Gospels don't give his actual name, and probably don't, they don't do it because uh, they didn't want to confuse the readers. But uh, they, they didn't help us out with the name Mary, though. I mean, how many Marys do we have in the New Testament? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that was pretty, pretty exclusive, I guess. But uh, there are other uh, sources that uh, tell us that the name of Barabbas, his, his name was actually Yeshua, also, uh, and it was a very common name in the first century. So Barabbas's name and his title was Yeshua, the son of the father. Just like Jesus, he is. his name is Yeshua, and he was the son of the father. So we have the two identical goats, essentially. Yeah. Right? The, we have the, a picture there. It's a picture of what is coming here as Jesus, Yeshua, is standing on one side of Pilate, and Barabbas, Yeshua, Bar-Abba, is standing on the other side, uh, representing a, an identical you know, picture between the two of them, at least in their names. Now, we should also have clarity, though, that this scene that's taking place with Jesus and Barabbas, this is not during Yom Kippur. No, it's right? uh, this at is, Passover. This is Passover, which yeah. is actually, uh, this would be the, the 14th of Nisan, essentially, right? This right. is six months prior, prior to Yom Kippur, but it's setting when, it up. This is necessary for it, Yom Kippur it, to take place. It, it is, and, and the picture that's being set up, the, the thing that's taking place on Yom Kippur, the picture of the one who was ultimately going to be the sacrifice was the Lamb of God who was crucified on Passover, Right. And so what, what is really interesting here is that it is Barabbas, the one full of sin, who ultimately is set free, and Yeshua, who was the perfect Lamb of God, is the one who ends up being sacrificed. Right, so you have that picture in Leviticus, Leviticus 16, where we have the scapegoat that takes on the sins of a people and is then led off into the wilderness and set free. You have, you have the other lamb that goes to its sacrifice. And so this is the picture uh, of, of Jesus and Barabbas, and the guilty one is set free. And ultimately, the, the picture of this is that we are Barabbas. We are the ones, we are the guilty ones that have been set free. 
Yeah, it's exactly the picture. And uh, just so you know, we're not making any of this up about the name of Barabbas. It appears in the ninth century uh, codex in uh, some Syrian sources and Origen even refers to these manuscripts in his commentary on Matthew. So we've got some pretty good foundation and footing for uh, what we're seeing unfold here in front of us in the scripture. You could probably find that book at Target or Costco, maybe. I don't think so. No. Okay. <laughs> you got to dig a little bit gotta, deeper there. Yeah, you're gonna have to dig. But here, here, this this is the amazing picture of all of this, right? We have we have passages in scripture that says that. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, right? We have passages in Isaiah 53. It says, He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Um, And this is the picture of this holiday is that we have been forgiven. We have been set free that it was the blood of Yeshua, the blood of Jesus, that atoned or kippured for our sins. Yeah, and it, it, it uh, you know, in all of the sacrifices prior to this time, it never forgave. They never forgave sin. Though mm-hmm. all of the blood that was shed uh, simply covered sin. It was a kippura. There you go. Uh, and that's where we get the name Yom Kippur. But on this particular occasion. Uh, it was Yeshua's blood, uh, the perfect Lamb of God, whose blood was shed, and with that, uh, sin was totally forgiven. Uh, I think you made a reference to First uh, Corinthians five twenty-one, where Paul said that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, so that we could become the righteousness of God. Sin was impu- our sin was imputed to him, and his righteousness is imputed to us. But it doesn't just happen uh, like some sort of an automatic thing. You have to come to him, and you have to believe and follow. And, and this was no surprise to God. It wasn't like God said, man, I really hope that they receive, like in Numbers 11, I really hope that the people in the wilderness uh, receive the report of the spies, and then I can let them in. It wasn't like God was looking down saying, I wonder, I wonder if they're going to receive not the promised land, but the promised one, and oh man, now I have to go to plan B. Um, in, in Revelation, it says, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who has been slain from the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain, um, that God knew that this was going to happen. Now, We've talked about past, first act. We've talked about the second act, so Old Testament and then New Testament. Um, Let's look forward. I don't know if this is the third act, but it is the act to come. Um, When does Yom Kippur, if we just wrap all of this, when will this ultimately be fulfilled? Well, I think Yom Kippur will ultimately be fulfilled in the tribulation, uh, there is an affliction that we read about as we read the description in uh, Leviticus 16 and in Leviticus 23, that you shall afflict your soul. Uh, it is a time of real soul searching that is supposed to take place and teshuvah, returning to God, repentance that is supposed to take place. And this is the season of our return, right? Yeah. This is the season of return for Israel, 
Yep. And this is an important thing that these fall feasts are still prophetic, looking forward. They have not been fulfilled yet. And each one of the last three feasts concerns Israel. They are for Israel. Uh, they occur in Israel. And they are w with regard to Israel's relationship to God. And so we are looking at that section. It's, it's good for us to look at the shadows that we had in the Old Testament and look at the reality, the substance of it, that as we look forward, we see what God is going to do. But for those of us who believe, uh, our names are already written in the book of life. Uh, Israel is still waiting for that day. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's happened for some Jews, but for the vast majority of Israel, it has not yet happened. And so these festivals that we are looking at, especially the fall festivals, which is uh, Yom Teruah, the Jewish people mistakenly call Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur and Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, are still prophetic and yet to happen, yet to take place. So we are looking at God dealing specifically during this tribulation time with Israel uh, as he is judging the whole world, but he is going to bring Israel to a place of salvation and really just a remnant of Israel. Um, many of those uh, who uh, are resisting will perish. Uh, in fact, Zechariah tells us that two-thirds of the Jewish people will perish, unfortunately, during this tribulation period, but one-third will come through the fire and be saved. As we wrap up today, uh, what, what is a Christian supposed to do? What would they do? How should they, should they do anything here for this Day of Atonement that is coming up here in this season? Yeah. Well, I think we should recognize what it meant significantly to Israel and the meaning of it and the shedding of the blood, and he says, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I give it to you upon the altar, for it's by virtue of the flesh that you are forgiven. Uh, and looking forward to Yeshua, we ought to realize that he was that Lamb of God. He was that uh, atonement that was offered, um, the offering of Yom Kippur being prophetic of that. Uh, we need to realize that uh, the way to God has been opened up for Israel and for all the nations to come to God and to receive the forgiveness that he has, the atonement that he has. So really, I think what, what you can do, um, if you are a follower of Jesus, follower of Yeshua, um, that this is a good season for you to be able to look at your own life, number one, and see where have I uh, fallen short this year? Um, where have I missed the mark? Where have I sinned? Um, you can even look up Alchet, and I'll, I'll put that in our show notes on the website, and you can look at some of that, and just use that to take stock of your own spiritual life and where you're at, but also, especially in this season, to be able to pray for the salvation and the national repentance of the people of Israel, for the Jewish people around the world, um, that it really is going to come through 
the the outreach by the love of of the people um, to be able to draw them back, and, and God will continue to bring His people back to Him. But to be praying for the salvation of the Jewish people. Yeah, and you know it's a significant thing because if two thirds of Israel is going to perish during the tribulation, uh, that number becomes less for every Jewish person who becomes a believer and accepts Yeshua, the Messiah, uh, he won't be there for that to perish in that time. So it's, uh, it's an important thing that uh, we reach out to our Jewish friends and neighbors and even family members for many. Yep. All right. Well, that was Yom Kippur, um, and this is the season uh, for the High Holy Days, and uh, we hope that this has been uh, helpful, informative. If you have other questions, feel free to shoot us uh, an email out at uh, at uh, the website there. You can go on there and check it out. Feel free to share, look at the podcast there. You can rate and you can leave comments on there and uh, get this out there so that other people can hear this, especially uh, our Jewish friends. Uh, but we want to thank you for listening. And uh, the next one we're going to be talking about will be Sukkot, also known as the Feast of Booths and the Feast of Tabernacles. So stay tuned. And until next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Remember to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. Shalom.